If you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke 15, and we're going to jump into Luke 15 in a moment. But I'm excited to share this message with you today because uh, I'm going to begin a new series. This isn't going to be a series that happens as the sermons are preached, but this is a series that um, is going to happen because I've really desired in my heart to share with our church uh, our core values. Um, Years ago, when I first took over as the leader of Calvary Church, we established what we called our core values. And our church has always had core values, obviously, but we wanted to really get specific with what we thought God was calling us to do as a church. And so we took time. Uh, We took time to sit down and write out these values. We went over these values with our leaders. We talked about them for weeks and weeks. We actually started with more than just the six that we came up with. Now, our core values, what they are for us is they are the values that dictate how we do ministry. They are the why behind what we do. So everything you see us do is the result of these six whys. And I want to give them to you really quickly, but we're going to take the next few weeks and go through all of them. The first one is this, it's we are all about people. We say people matter to God, so they matter to us, every race and every condition. Can somebody say amen? Amen. The second one is we are growing in grace. We receive and we give grace. We can only give what we have been given. Third thought, we are passionate about generosity. Giving is at the center of the gospel. Jesus gave his best, so we will give nothing less. I tell our team all the time, every Sunday, somebody's life is at risk. Every week, somebody's marriage is on the line. Every week, somebody has a child who's far away from God, who needs to be brought near to God through faith in Jesus. So we cannot treat any Sunday like it's just another normal Sunday. That's why I tell you, I'm thankful for this Sunday because somebody's marriage is on the line today. Somebody's life is on the line today. Somebody's thinking about quitting and walking away today. And so we're going we're gonna to give our best. We're going to give all that we have every single week. So we are committed to, to excellence. We are passionate about generosity. Excellence is, is something that honors God, we believe, and attracts people to God. Excellence is not perfection. Excellence is do, just doing the best with what you have. Fourth, or the fifth thought is this. We are living by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We will act on audacious faith, believing that the best is yet to come. I mean, I, in one way, I do care who gets elected, but in another way, I don't. Because whoever's in the White House, it doesn't determine what God wants to do with my life. Because what God wants to do with me is already set and sealed. <laughs> Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. If you belong to God, it doesn't matter really who's in the White House because God's plans for you have already been declared over your life. They are good. They are not evil. Give you a hope and a future. So we're going to live by faith. The last thought is this. We're in this together. We were never meant to be alone. Community is essential to our walk with Jesus. Today, before we jump into those core values, I want to talk to you about basically the, the statement that kind of uh, 
entails them all. And that statement is this. We exist as a church so that people who are far from God can be brought near to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And it is important now more than ever that we focus on what God has called us to do as a church body. I've noticed over these past few months so many people getting distracted. And people get distracted because they have no vision. Proverbs, Proverbs 29 and 18 says this in the message translation. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Many of you have heard that same verse like this. Without a vision, people perish. Why? Because they're not attending to what God reveals. And if we have learned anything over these past few months, that is, that is this. If we get distracted by what is happening outside in the world, then we will lose sight of what God has called us to do as a church. And if our vision gets hijacked by someone else's agenda, then we have lost the heart of God for this church and what he desires for us to be and do in this community. Can somebody say amen? So what we have fought for over these past few months is that our vision would not be hijacked by somebody else's agenda other than God's. We weren't going to let a politician hijack our agenda. We weren't going to let the racial divisions in our country hijack our agenda. We weren't going to let what was happening in the world hijack our agenda. We have been called to bring people who are far from God, near to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're looking at and that's what we're focused on. Because if we do anything else, we'll stumble all over ourselves. I'll stumble all over myself. But I need to attend to what God is revealing. I need to attend to what God is revealing. Luke 19 and 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, listen, it doesn't mean that politics doesn't matter doesn't mean that inequality doesn't matter. It just means that if you'll focus on what really matters, then by default you will take care of those issues that are not root issues, but manifestations of a real issue. That is, that the world is lost and in need of a Savior. So if we, if we focus on what we're supposed to focus on, we will heal brokenness in our land because we're doing what Jesus called us to do see there were so many different things Jesus could have gotten caught up in and they wanted him to they wanted Jesus to get caught up in politics but he just refused to they wanted Jesus to get caught up in all of the issues of the day as a matter of fact slavery was a very serious issue in Jesus's day racism was a serious issue in the day of Jesus Jesus could have gotten caught up. He, he could have become an activist. He could have become a political activist. He could have become an, an activist for all types of different stuff. Women were treated terribly in this day. And everybody was pulling on Jesus to get involved in their agenda. As a matter of fact, the reason the disciples were so disappointed at the end with Jesus and walked away is because he didn't get involved the way they wanted him to get involved. They thought he was coming into Jerusalem as a conquering king, that he was there, and they were going to overtake the city, and they were going to kill all of the Romans, and Jesus was going to be king, and they were going to rule together. But that's not what Jesus did. 
As a matter of fact, when, when, when they thought that that's what he was going to do, Peter actually pulls the sword out, cuts a guy's ear off. Jesus has to pick up the ear, put it back on the guy's head and say, that's not my agenda. <laughs> it's not my agenda. Oh, man. Why did Jesus come? Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. John 3, 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. The church spends so much time condemning the world. (laughs) We're called to lead the world to salvation in Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1, 15 says, This is a trustworthy saying, full of all acceptance, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst, Paul said. So that brings us to Luke chapter 15, where we're going to spend today and and maybe next week. This is what the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It says, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near him to hear him. I love this about Jesus, that the people that usually walk away from church, usually avoid God, are now drawing near to God because of who Jesus is. Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, the church will never be empty as long as Jesus is lifted up. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, verse 4, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, If he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you likewise that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. (laughs) Oh, man, that's powerful, isn't it? That's powerful. So, Robbie, what is this church about? Is this church about justice? Is this church about politics? Is this, This church is about finding the lost sheep that belong to the Savior. That's what we're about. That's what we're about. And I'll never forget this. I had a friend tell me this, this story. And uh, this story impacted me. And I don't know why it impacted me so much. Maybe it was because the time, at the time he, he had told me this story, my kids were really small, and so I just could feel this story. One of my friends, he was at, he was at Disney World with his family. And uh, he, was, he was telling me that his youngest daughter, they lost her for 30 minutes. At Disney World. Now I've had I've had kids. Has anybody ever had a kid just go missing, like just for a, a couple seconds, and you have a total meltdown? Kind of the way dads react when they can't find the remote in the house. You know what I'm talking about? Like they blame everybody. They're just ready to hurt somebody. I've seen people with more focus trying to find a remote control than they focus on finding the lost. But anyhow, we're not going to talk about that. Actually, we're going to talk about that. That's what the whole message is about. <laughs> this guy, he said, he said, my daughter, she was lost for 30 minutes. And he said he did a few things. Like he, he said the first thing he did was he ran through the park. He's running. They were at the back of the park. And so he's running through the park, screaming, 
screaming out his daughter's name. And I love this because when he said this, I thought, I thought, man, when, when someone you love is lost, you don't care what people think about you in that moment. Like you are not really worried about how they feel about the volume of your voice. You're not very worried about the passion that you have, that they would see your passion as, as weird or, or, or out of control. You're not worried about what they think about your clothes. You're not worried about what they think about your haircut. You're not worried if they, if they approve of, of, of your job. You're not worried about what they think about your car. You're not worried about what they think about your house. You're not worried about what they think about your money. They're not, you're, you're not worried about anything other than finding your lost child and you could care less about what people think about you when you're running through the Disney world screaming your kid's name. He's running through Disney world. He's screaming her name. It reminds me of the scripture where the apostle says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. See the motivation for sharing the gospel isn't this motivate, it should be this motivating factor that, yeah, man, God's just done so much good for me that I just should tell everybody. And I think sometimes when, we, when, we, when that's our motivation, when it's like, I just want to tell everybody what Jesus has done for me, sometimes in life it doesn't feel like Jesus is doing a whole lot for you. Can we be honest? So sometimes that's that, that motivation of, Man, but God's been so good to you, and you're going through hell. <laughs> and you're struggling, and, and, and your life is a mess, and you're like, but, but you should share your faith because God's been so good. I, I understand it, and I get that, and that is a motivation. But the, the clearest motivation in Scripture is, is not what God has done for us. The clearest motivation in Scripture is what God has done for others. Can you see that? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of what the gospel does for other people. If the gospel is always about you, you will never be motivated to share your faith. The gospel has to remain about the ones that aren't found yet. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm ready to go to jail for the gospel. I've already been saved. Paul's ticket had already been punched. He's already on his way. He's not ashamed of the gospel because of what the gospel does for other people. Of of how lost he sees people and how desperate he sees people and how hungry and how thirsty and how defenseless he sees people. But most churches, they build to keep the found and not seek the lost. And most of us are too busy trying to stay saved to worry about everybody else's salvation. But when you become convinced that you don't have to stay saved and you really realize what God has done for you and what he could do for somebody else, that lost friend, that lost neighbor, that lost brother, that lost sister, then you will refuse to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. It is the power of God unto salvation. Watch this. This is fascinating to me. 
I think, I think so much of purposeless living has to do with how we pursue the lost. Because everything that Jesus did, he did pursuing the lost. Think about this. So many people walk around like, what's my purpose? Why do I exist? What am I here for? What, what, what? And, and, and these are Christian people. I feel empty inside. I feel void of purpose. I feel like I, feel like I don't have a reason. For, these are Christian people. And I think so many Christian people feel like they're without purpose because of the way they see the lost. Think about this. Everything that Jesus did was a step towards the lost. Oh, man. I need you to see this because the shepherd, his purpose, his course is determined by the tracks of the lost sheep. So the road I take, I don't take it for me. The road I take, I take it for the lost. So many people are living without purpose because every road they take is about them. If you want purpose, start looking for the tracks of lost people. Because that's what the shepherd would do. The shepherd, if he leaves the 99 to go after the one, what's he doing? First of all, he recognizes that one is missing. He's aware. He's aware. And and he looks and he counts. And this is how good God is. God doesn't just know which one is missing in in the sense, or God doesn't just know that one is missing. God knows which one is missing. So when he counts and he looks and then he surveys, okay, I've got 99, I had 100, which one is missing? He looks and, and he surveys and he says, oh, it's the one with the, with the spots on his face and his wool looks like this and his, his eyes are this color and he's got, oh my goodness, you've got to know this about God. And so when God goes looking for you, he knows where to look for you because he knows exactly who went missing and he knows what makes you wonder. <laughs> and so... You have to see this because if you, if you just read this story, oh, man, God loves the one. God loves the one. No, it's not just God loves the one. God is obsessed with the one. And a church that isn't obsessed with the one will disappear. It will not last. Because if all we are doing is trying to keep people happy who are already found, then we will not fulfill the purpose of God and we will eventually stumble all over ourselves because we are not attending to what God is revealing. <laughs> That's why God took on the form of a man. He's following our tracks. He's following your tracks. He said, okay, I, 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 I want to save them. I want to deliver them. I want to bring them out. I want to restore them. What am I going to do? I could just stand up into heaven and say, hey, I'm up here. But no, God... He's so amazing. He follows our tracks. He comes through the womb of a woman. He grows up like a, like a child. He, he, he's, he's a little boy. He's a, he's a teenager with pimples all over his face. He's, he's, he's a 20-year-old man working. He, he, he's, he's following 
our tracks. He's walking in our steps so he can find us. See, this is why people couldn't stand Jesus. They, they said, who is this guy? Look at him. He's hanging out with sinners. He's eating with riffraff, one translation says. Why was Jesus doing that? He's following their tracks. He's saying you can't really find them if you don't go where they go. So much of Christianity is about getting out and escaping. We're, we're, we're trying to get away from the lost. And if we're not careful, church will become that place, that little bubble we get to go to where we get to hide out from the lost for a day. That's not what this place was intended to be. A hideout from the world. We get in this little room and we, we wall ourselves in from the world and And then an hour later, we emerge like, oh, God, the sun. And we go to eat, and then we're like, oh, God, sinners. They're everywhere. We wake up on Monday, I got to work with sinners. Scripture does not teach us to avoid the lost. How, how How can you save a world you avoid? How can you heal people you refuse to touch? How can you have any influence on anybody you refuse to have a conversation with? God is like, so if I'm going to save them, i got to follow their tracks. i got to go where they are. (laughs) Man, he's obsessed with the lost. He's obsessed with the lost because the lost one is defenseless. He's obsessed with the lost because the lost one is hungry and thirsty and the lost one is alone and scared. We have to change the way we see the lost. Lost people are not a problem to be solved, but they are kids that need to be found. The Bible says about Jesus, he said, when he saw the crowds in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless. You got to change the way you see lost people. The evil sinners. The problem with our society. The ones who voted for so and so. God doesn't see people that way, He sees lost people as helpless. Defenseless. I've seen a lot of stuff on social media over the past 
few months that's been interesting to say the least. But there's a part of me that wants to just shut it off and ignore it and run away from it and stay in my own protective little bubble. So, But I, I just decided whenever I see someone post something and I look at it and I say, and that doesn't sound Christ-like, that doesn't sound biblical. My first decision now is not, they must be evil. No, my first decision now is they must be without a shepherd. That's my first thought now. Well, how could someone, they're shepherdless, they're helpless. How could, they don't have a shepherd. Why in the world would, they're without a shepherd. The Bible says that Jesus wept over the city. He cried because of the condition of the people. Do you cry over the condition of the people or do you judge the condition of the people? Because if Jesus wept over the condition of the people, then I have no right to judge the condition of the people. How could America... They need a shepherd. They need a shepherd. These people in the streets, they need a shepherd. They need leaders. Without a shepherd. The other day I was watching, a friend of mine sent me this video. It was a video of these two kids. They were getting ready to, to get into a fist fight. And this crowd was fist fight, and this crowd was all around them. And they were, they were ready to go. And all of a sudden, this, this man who was a little bit older runs up and he grabs these two kids and he pushes them apart. He's like, What are you doing? First of all, look at all the people around you, they're filming you. They're mocking you. These people that say they're your friends, they're laughing at you right now. And these kids are like, what? Didn't even think about that. All these kids around with their cameras and you're getting ready to fight and all these kids are gonna mock you and make fun of you. And they're doing it. Why? Because the shepherd wasn't there. What if, what if God has you in that dark, demented, evil place because somebody needs a shepherd? What if you're in that school because somebody needs a shepherd? I'll, I'll never forget when, when everything started happening and, and in our city, people started protesting they were walking the streets and protesting and I, sh- I showed up I'll never forget the people 
who were mad at me for showing up in my city to walk with a bunch of young people because they needed a shepherd. How dare you show up? How dare you be out there? When you go out there, you're giving them your approval. No, I'm not. No more than Jesus gave Zacchaeus his approval when he went over to his house and he ate. I'm there because because what's happening in our country right now is not just, it's not just, it's not just, oh, it's not just, it's not just craziness. And it's, it's people who need a shepherd. So we got a decision to make. Are we going to spend the rest of our lives trying to keep a crowd, trying to hang on to the 99? Man, I gave up on that a long time ago. I gave up on that a long time ago. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to try to make anybody who's found happy. I love this scripture in the New Testament, in Matthew 9, verse 10 through 13. It says, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. When the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit and lit into Jesus' followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks, riffraff? Jesus overheard. He shot back. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle to insiders. Can I tell you something? If, if, if you give and you give a lot of money to this church, I'm thankful for you, but I'm not coddling to you for one second. I've watched people who gave a hundred grand a year walk and leave out, leave out of this church. And if one person didn't step in, five people would step in and give exactly what they were given or more. So I'm not worried who leaves because I didn't coddle to them. I didn't turn the air condition up the way they wanted to. I didn't sing the songs they wanted to. I didn't have the people on the stage that they wanted me to have. I didn't preach the sermons that they wanted me to preach. I, I, I stopped talking about this and I stopped talking about that. And I didn't mention this and I didn't mention that. I'm not here to coddle to insiders. You can keep your money. Church was here before you got here, and we'll be here after you leave. But I do want you to understand this. We will spend every dime we have. We will spend every bit of equity we have. We will give our lives. We will lay it on the line. We won't care what people think about us while we're running in the streets, screaming out people's names. That's what we're going to do. That's who we're going to be. And I think every year I need to clarify that. Because this is what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to run with us and realize 10 years from now, wow, they're about that? No, we're, we're about that. If we're going to be a church that is multicultural, multigenerational, multiracial, 
We're going to have to be a church that fights for equality for all people. That's who we're going to have to be. It's, it's funny, isn't it, that you don't have to be either or in a lot of things. You can be both and. Isn't it an amazing thing that I can get up in this church on a Sunday morning, now I can talk to this congregation about racial inequality, and at the same time, we can have police all over this building who love this church? Because it doesn't have to be either or. You don't have to love the police or hate black people. You don't have to love black people or hate the police. You can love the police and love black people. Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you, did you know you can vote Republican and not hate Democrats? Did you know you can be a Democrat and not hate Republican? Did you? You didn't know that, did you? So much of what's happening in our world today is trying to get us off track. Trying to get us off purpose so that we stumble all over ourselves and we don't attend to what God is revealing. You wanna get your focus back? Wanna get your energy back? Wanna get your joy back? Because in Luke 15, one theme runs through that entire story. Not just the theme of lost things being found, but every time something is lost and it is found, there's joy. The level of joy that we experience as a church is going to be connected to the level of passion we go after the loss with. That's, that's the bottom line. So if you want more joy, you want more rejoicing, let's find more lost people. That's how we do it. Will you stand on your feet with me? Let's put every agenda to the side. That's not about finding the lost. Let's find the lost and watch how God will heal the divisions of our land. Watch how God will heal the divisions of the church. Watch how God will heal divisions in your own family. Because my focus is the lost. The Bible says he that wins souls is wise. Not he that wins an argument. And over these past six months, you've been trying to win a lot of arguments and not winning any souls. God is, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, God is, is speaking to us today. Refocus your life around the lost, following their tracks. Where they go, it's where we go. Where they are, that's where we go. Whatever it takes to find them, that's what we do. However much it costs, that's what we spend. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. I wish I had another hour. I, I'm just telling you. And throughout my lifetime, I've not even lived that long. And can I tell you, every election I've lived through, the media told me was the most important election in the history of the world. Every single one. 
I've never gone through an election season where they said, this one's not that big of a deal, guys. Doesn't matter. <laughs> and the right and the left, all they want to do is control us with fear. Get our eyes off of what God has for us so that we stumble all over ourselves. And we're so lost. Only thing we know how to do is get home, get that remote, turn it on and say, tell me what to believe. Tell me what to think. Tell me how to see the world. God is like, oh man, turn that off. Open this up. Get your focus back. Get your vision back. Get your joy back. How do I get my joy back? Lost people being found. I'm, I'm praying for Sunday. I'm praying for a year of Sundays where there is constant water in this baptism tank. I'm praying that baptism aren't just once a month but I'm praying there every single week. Can you imagine the joy in the house of the Lord to watch water spill up out over that baptism? Jesus, help us. That's what we're about. That's why we're here. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you. Thank you for helping us helping us get our focus back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 If you're here today, I'm going to ask you, if you're here, and I'm going to ask everyone in the room if you would bow your head. If you're here today and you would say, Rob, I'm lost. I, I'm lost. Maybe, maybe you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you have never made Jesus Lord of your life. Or maybe you're here today and you have given your life to Jesus, but you feel lost, you feel disconnected, you feel like you're at a distance from God. Good news, he is here, he is here, he is here. And because he is here, that means you are found today. So if that's you and, and you feel lost and you feel, you feel that distance from God today, I'm gonna count to three when I do. Everyone that feels lost, I want you to throw your hands up in the air today. And we're going to believe in this moment that transformation is going to come into your life in the name of Jesus. If that's you, one, two, three, throw your hand up in the air today. I'm lost. I see you guys. I see you back there. Anybody? I see you. Anybody? I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Come on, anyone else? Throw that hand up in the air today. I feel lost. I feel disconnected. I see you. Anyone else? I feel disconnected. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together. Come on, let's welcome those folks home. You're home. You're, you're not lost anymore. You're found today in the name of Jesus. You're found. So let's pray this prayer together. Everybody in the room, especially those that lifted their hands, let's say this. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me so much that you came to find me. Thank you. I love you. I give you my life. Take it all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. One more time, let's put our hands together and bless the Lord. Powerful. Amazing. Awesome.
And also, listen, if you're here and you've never been baptized, you need to get baptized. Why should we be baptized? We follow the example of Jesus. Jesus got baptized. You think Jesus needed to get baptized? No, he got baptized as an example for us to fulfill scripture and to do it as an example for us to follow. So we get baptized not to be saved. We get baptized because we have been saved. So I want to encourage you, get baptized. And you can get baptized. You can sign up on our website. You can get baptized. All that means is we're going to put you in this tank. We're going to hold you underwater. Not for very long. Just long enough to where the Bible says you, you go in as one person, you come out in newness of life. Brand new life. Brand new life. So I want to encourage you to do You can sign up online. You can go in the hub or wherever. You can, you can do that. You can go. There's a big sign in the back that says the next step. I'm sure somebody would love to meet you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you very soon.